Hey, welcome to the Chess Experience. On this show, it's all about helping adult improvers. I want to make learning chess easier for you to navigate, and I also want you to have a more fun experience along the way. I'm your host, Daniel Lona, a fellow chess amateur. Let's get to it. This show is sponsored by Chess.com, the world's largest chess community. Chess.com recently launched a new way to learn from your games with a feature called Insights. If you visit chess.com slash insights, you can get detailed stats and analysis in any of the time controls you've played and across any time period. What kind of things can you learn? Well, you can learn what time of day do you play your best, morning, afternoon, or night? What part of the game are you strongest or weakest, opening, middle game, or end game? Are you making more or less mistakes than opponents at your level? You can find out all this great info and much more at chess.com slash insights. Welcome to this week's episode. Sometimes on this show, I have a guest who is a popular chess streamer. Sometimes I have a guest who is an adult improver. Well, this week we have both combined in a single guest. Hailing from Los Angeles, she goes by the name Jules Gambit. A little bit on her backstory, she played and competed in chess as a kid and returned to the game just last year while in college. Now, at the time of this interview, it's still been less than a year since she revived her love for the game. But in that brief period, Jules has increased her rating somewhere between six to 800 points, achieved an OTB classical performance of 2,000 USCF, launched a quickly growing chess stream on Twitch with over 8,000 followers, and she's already streamed with Women Grandmaster and well-known commentator Dina Belenkaya. Jules has a really fun chess journey to share, and we talk about all of it. Plus, she offers some excellent insights on improvement and how to handle its ups and downs. Personally, I think Jules has a really exciting chess future ahead of her, both as a player and as a streamer. And so I'm really happy she appeared on the show for a chat. Links for all her content are in the show notes and on my website for her episode page. Here's my interview with Jules Gambit. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Jules. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat with you. As I mentioned before we began this interview, uh, when I was preparing for it, just lots of ideas came to my head and questions that I had for you just kind of came really easily. And I think that just has to do with how interesting your story is. I just know what a great guest you'll be. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I want to cover a ton of stuff with you uh, from your chess journey to your streaming career. But just to kick things off, you go by the name Jules Gambit on your Twitch channel and on Twitter. So is that just like a, a cool, fun chess name, which I think it is just in of itself. But is there also an actual Jules Gambit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've actually gotten that question a lot. And um the answer is a little bit less interesting. It's when I first started streaming, I didn't actually think I'd be streaming for a long time. I was just like, oh, this is a fun thing. I'll start. I'll just pick a name. And I was a huge fan and still am of the King's Gambit um, as an opening. So I was like, oh, I like gambits. My name's Jules. I'll just be Jules Gambit. And then it kind of evolved into its own thing. We've gone back and forth about what it could possibly mean on my channel. But right now, it seems like the gambit I play most often is getting a completely winning position and then flagging. Being down like three minutes. So that that might be the Jules Gambit. I see. Well, as someone who struggles a lot with getting into time trouble, I find that very relatable. Although I feel bad for you that that's like a, you know, it's not, it's, it's like, it's, it's an unfortunate <laughs> circumstance, maybe rather than like a cool one, like the King's Gambit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes it pays off and you get that like 0 0.01 second checkmate. Right. Or you can do what I do, which is I just always, you know, kind of like lie to myself and say, well, I was totally winning anyway. So clearly I'm the better chess player. <laughs> oh, yeah, I count. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your own chess journey uh, at the beginning. You first got into chess at a young age. How old were you and who taught you to play? Gosh, I must have been around uh, five years old, and it was my dad who taught me to play. He does not play himself, but he does know the rules, and um, I believe he just taught me the rules. But how I got into it was my older sister uh, started playing, and I wanted to be just as cool as my older sister, of course. So I wanted to do whatever she would do, much to uh, her annoyance. 
So I made my dad teach me and I started competing like she did. So growing up as a kid playing chess, do you feel like your dad was more of an influence and motivator as you continued your chess journey in your household or was it your sister? My family has always been just very supportive of every single journey I've been on. Um, but I think the biggest motivator was probably my sister in pure competitiveness. We're a very, very competitive family. Like you do not want to be around during Monopoly nights. I swear we're like screaming at each other. And I, I just always <laughs> wanted to be better than her. And she always wanted to be better than me. So we, we kind of played off of each other like that. Did she teach you stuff along the way? Or was it more just like from a distance you wanted to just try to keep up with her? <laughs> the only thing she taught me is not to question her. <laughs> no, she, she, we were always kind of close-ish in level. Um, when I quit, I think I was around 900,000. She was around 1,300. So we weren't, we weren't that far okay. um, apart. Oh, so you caught up to her quickly then? Because it sounds like she, was, she knew chess first, being older, uh, but then didn't take long for you to catch up. Yeah, I, was, I, I never quite surpassed her uh, peak rating, but... That's that's something that I'll have to live with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've we'll talk about this more later, but you've improved a lot since you were a kid. How do you stand now in skill level with your sister? Is it still a competitive thing? Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. She's she's very much come up with every excuse under the sun not to play me. And I hope she's listening to this right now. <laughs> um, she needs to play me at some point. But I've I have now surpassed her peak rating. So I'm I'm hoping I would. I would uh, be able to win. Nice. Just send her this episode when it comes out and just be like, you know, hey, I talked about you. <laughs> you should check it out. Oh, I will. <laughs> you're, like, you're such a big influence in my life. Like, just just listen to it. Right, right. You'll love it. So can you describe a bit about your chess experience as a kid? Like, how often did you compete? How often were you playing chess, studying chess, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I don't know if you know this right now, but you know, you're standing in the presence of the third grade Norn Cal girls chess champion. Wow. You know what? I, <laughs> I know, what I, an honor. It's a fact that I knew but forgot. So I'm I'm happy to be reminded of it. <laughs> no, I I I really com I loved competing as a kid. Um I really enjoyed wearing just the most ridiculous outfits. I actually had my chess coach go to my mom once and he was like, if she wears one more like old lady floppy hat to a chess tournament, I'm not coaching her anymore. I'm kicking her off the team. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. Um, that was a great experience. I think when I got a little bit older, uh, I started just wanting to make more friends my age. Um, it was a little bit difficult to meet other girls playing chess. I think there was maybe only one on our team that played chess and she was a lot older than me. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed competing and I was a very competitive kid. <laughs> so that's very cool that you were doing a lot of chess as a kid. Around what time, I mean, this is a little sad, but it's part of the journey. Around what time mm -hmm. did you stop being as active in chess? I quit at around 11, but I think I stopped being more active. Like I really stopped improving around nine or 10. And I think it was mainly, um, I didn't really have the passion for studying at a, at a certain point, I think probably around a thousand or eighting, 900,000. You, you really need to start studying a little bit if you want to see improvement OTB. And I had kind of lost the passion. I didn't really have anyone driving me anymore. Um, my sister had also sort of stopped studying as well. And I, all my friends had uh, quit. So it was around that time. So what brought you back to chess as an adult? <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've always had, you know, I've always enjoyed chess casually and just thought it was cool that I could play. Sometimes I'd play with like friends or at a party. Um, but obviously I hadn't been studying or improving. I was just doing it casually. And um, one day I really wanted to get off of my campus uh, and study somewhere cool. So I went in the car and I drove looking for a cafe. And on the way, I saw a bunch of people outside with chess boards. Um, and I was like, wow, that, that seems cool. Um, I guess I don't need to study today. <laughs> so I got out of the car and it ended up being Coffee Chess, which is a YouTube channel. Um, I recommend wa um, watching them. They're very, very fun. And it's a great community. And they just had me sit down. They're like, hey, why, do why don't you play someone? And they had me, of course, like playing the like 
2,100 USCF guy. <laughs> the first game I got crushed, but I really enjoyed it. And I started going back and I'm, you know, I ended up on their YouTube channel and I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to be watched by people, I might as well get better. Right, right. Well, nothing like just getting back into chess and reminding you of how difficult it is than just having your first opponent be a 2,100 player, right? Oh, of course, of course. And of course, I played like, I didn't even know what openings were really. So I just like moved forward upon. I'm like, ah, oh, this will be fine. Right. Did you have any idea who Coffee Chess, you know, who they were at that time when you first encountered them? Uh, I did not. I, I hadn't seen their videos um, because I wasn't really that into chess. Uh, a few months later, my entire algorithm would be all chess videos, but <laughs> right. it wasn't at the time. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was just like a complete surprise. I was just very excited to to play with people since there wasn't really many people to play with uh, in college. Right. Coffee chess is the spark for you resuming your chess life, which is amazing. I mean, how many people can say that? It's really cool. One of the perks of living in LA. <laughs> right, right. Um, did you continue to play with them at all uh, since then? Yeah, I've been going on and off for more than a year now. Um, it is a little bit far from me, um, but I do enjoy going and I do enjoy bringing friends as well. That's awesome. Okay, so this might be a dumb question because I don't I don't really have a sense of this uh, with coffee chess. Is it the case that every time you play with them like out there, they are or anyone plays with them, they are filming YouTube content or is it also like sometimes a casual chess club? <laughs> Well, it's both, which is what makes it really cool. Um, they do film every single game you play, but, mm. you know, statistically only like maybe one game from a day will show up. So most people just do it casually and really just enjoy playing. And you can just play a lot of games. Um, sometimes you'll get unlucky and you'll be like, wow, I had a great day. And then like you'll look on YouTube four weeks later, it'll be like, like an experienced chess player loses to seven-year-old who's, <laughs> you know, on his phone the whole time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, Overall, yeah, it's it. I would say it gives you a lot of chess club vibes. The same people go every time, and you become friends. You know, someone just celebrated their birthday. Everyone brought them a cake. It, it was really cute. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, if I ever happen to make it onto Coffee Chess somehow, uh, that would exactly be the title of my video. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like chess podcaster gets yeah. beat by a three-year-old. <laughs> yep, exactly. Just completely demolished. This is a miniature. Uh, you know, it's just a it's just a three-minute video. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. So that's awesome that that was a spark for you. How did your? I mean, the way I see it is there's kind of like two parts to how your chess life unfolds. From there is your own personal practice and study as a as a chess player to get better. And then your streaming career. But just from the, the personal side, your own practice and your own study, how did that part unfold for you once, you know, that spark was relit? Yeah, I mean, something that's, you know, hard to explain about chess, and I'm sure this is about a, a lot of other um, activities and sports as well. You really just need to have the passion for it to see any improvement. Um, it's very hard to instill passion in someone for it. Um, and I definitely caught the chess bug. <laughs> <laughs> so especially when I started streaming, it, I really got that extra push um, because now I, you know, had physical um, evidence <laughs> of my blunders being shown to a bunch of people at all times. Right. And uh, I also had a lot of people... You know, I, I do think there's a kind of a stigma about people who want to join chess as an adult or who aren't as good trying to get better. And there's just like a lot of um, people who said that I wouldn't get any better <laughs> and that made me want to get better. So I really worked on my journey from there. Yeah. So did you find yourself diving into books, courses, videos or anything like that, like to start improving your play? I mean, it sounds like you're saying the, the streaming side of things is what more motivated the improvement, but I'm also curious, like how you chose to improve. Sure. So I think I did a lot of trial and error. Um, I made the mistake that a lot of people fell into at first where I would play like six hours of Blitz games a day and be like, why am I not getting any better? Like, what's happening? I'm playing so much chess. <laughs> right. Um, meanwhile, the chess is just like me blundering my queen and getting flagged on like move 10. Uh, 
But what ended up really helping me was tactics, um, doing the chess.com puzzles, doing the chess tempo puzzles. Um, I am a big fan. If you want to improve in blitz, the chess tempo blitz puzzles are great. Um, and something I've heard people say that's very accurate is under a certain level, like tactics are 98% of improvement. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's very much the case. Just seeing things quicker. Um, seeing things at all was very good. And then at a certain point, um, when I started playing OTB, obviously you can't just rely on tactics anymore. So I definitely looked into some openings. Um, A lot of people say that openings aren't very helpful for people under a certain skill level. Um, But for me, the confidence that came from actually knowing openings was very, very useful because I wasn't second guessing myself on move two. My first tournament, I actually hung a piece on like move four. <laughs> my opening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's something also just about, like you say, it was your first tournament back. It's just the nerves of that, you know. I feel like the first mm-hmm. one or two times back, it can cause you to play worse than you would otherwise, just because you're at an OTB tournament. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, I don't know if you found that at all. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> definitely, I had some blunders <laughs> that I should not have had. I I was very lucky. I actually ended up winning that game somehow like by the grace of god (laughs) the grace of the chess gods um but yeah no there's definitely a lot about otb chess that really just can't be replicated online and you just have to go and figure it out and deal with the nerves and see how it affects you and you know 90 percent of chess is psychological as well yeah exactly that's a part of it yeah yeah so speaking of what you said you hear this all the time of just how much tactics is important for I feel like even up through intermediate, you know, it's still really critical part of improvement. Do you um, find yourself enjoying practicing tactics? Is that something that you're like, oh, I have to do a lot of tactics? Okay, cool. That's great. I love them. Or do you find it's a bit of a chore to have to do what you feel you need to do on that on that front? Oh, no, I love tactics. Oh, that's great. They're, they're so fun. And, you know, it's not even just for intermediate players. Um I recently competed in USAID, which is a team competition, and uh, my board three and I are still friends. His name is Pedro Espinoza. He's a great guy. And he he's a CM, and he does, like, 10K tactics, <laughs> I don't know, in a year. I don't even know how he does it. Like, they, everyone, everyone grinds tactics, like, at any level. They're really important to stay sharp, and um, you can always keep getting better with them. Yeah. What else do you enjoy studying or practicing to improve? Uh, what are some of your favorite go-tos? That, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean the things that have the biggest impact, although that's great if it overlaps, but just uh, just your, the things you look most forward to in studying chess to improve. Oh, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is my guilty <laughs> habit for chess is always studying what I like to study. Uh, but my favorite thing to do is uh, find chess players with styles that I really enjoy and look at their games. I on stream I started playing Guess the Move, where I'll like go and find really interesting um, games with a certain theme to it, like maybe a positional theme or some sort of tactical motif, and have people guess the move at random points and see like if we can figure out what the player did, what the best move would be. Um, and I just kind of do that on my own as well for studying. I think it's really helpful just to also get a little bit of a positional sense. Um, because sometimes the move isn't like this dramatic tactical motif, but I also just really enjoy exploring new players and, uh, seeing their games, even experienced players, maybe their games when they were younger. It's Mm -hmm. very fun for me. That's awesome. How do you approach chess improvement in general? Uh, meaning are you more just on the casual side where, you know, I, I practice when I, you know, study and play when I have time. Uh, and as you kind of alluded to, I'll just, I'll just do the stuff I love most. Or are you more on the regimented side of how you tackle it? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit obsessed with chess, um, (laughs) much to the, to the annoyance of, of my parents and all my friends who have to hear me talk about it 24 (laughs) seven. Um, but yeah, definitely for my learning style, Sometimes strict schedules don't always work the best, but also the number one most important thing for me, I know as well as working on things that I don't like doing. So I definitely incorporate that, um, probably using the rage of, you know, being bad at it (laughs) to get better. (laughs) So I, I think it's, I try to stay on a pretty good schedule of just making sure everything I'm studying is balanced. 
So I'm not just favoring the things I like the most because I do know I am a pretty unbalanced uh, player. Like I'm pretty strong in certain things and very weak in others. So just making sure that I'm spreading out the studying. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a style with how you play? And and if so, what is it? (sighs) Uh, I would have answered that question differently a while ago. But, um, (laughs) you know, I think it's really hard to have a style before you've really gotten a grasp on a lot of the fundamentals, which I wouldn't say I have yet. Um, because I used to think I was a very tactical player and, um, I kind of found out, unfortunately, that I thought it was tactical because I just didn't have positional knowledge (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm actually really enjoying the positional side of chess. So I I think you can kind of explore and look through all that. And, you know, you can feel like you really enjoy certain sides of it, like tactical versus positional versus like having open positions versus closed positions. Um, but right now I'm just trying to get well-rounded in all of it before I can say what my style is. Gotcha. I think that's generally true. It it can be hard to have a style when, you know, if you're still hanging pieces or tactics and that kind of thing, it feels like premature to say, this is the kind of player I am, but maybe not sometimes. I don't know. With that said, and like I said, I totally understand what you're saying. And I, I I feel that way sometimes too. Like I'm just trying to make sure I don't do something stupid as, you know, often how I feel. While I'm <laughs> that's playing. my style. Yeah, that's my style. Exactly. That's my key style. That's the, that's the core of it. Um, but what styles do you enjoy watching or studying from, as you mentioned? Yeah. Um, I used to have a habit of just watching people whose styles I enjoy. I'm also have started really loving watching people with exact opposite styles, but still very unique ones. Um, but I really, really enjoy sharp tactical games with uh, open positions. Like if I find a game like that, I'll really enjoy it. Um, of course, I love seeing like the beautiful tactics, but I've actually really started enjoying seeing the positions where um, people are just taking control of the board, um, really limiting their opponent's moves and squeezing the position. I, I feel like that's very beautiful in its own way. Yeah, I agree. I, I uh uh, it, it does have its own beauty, although I, I concede that I understand it less. <laughs> of course, <laughs> we all challenge do. with that. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite uh, aspects of your story with your ch- with your own chess journey, especially in the adult phase of your chess life, is just how much uh, you've improved in a short amount of time. I don't know if I fully know the timeline here. So let me just clarify that. How long has it been since you've returned to chess as an adult? About eight months now. Okay, yeah. And you said you were at about maybe what level did you estimate that you left off at before returning? Probably about 900 to 1,000. Maybe I'd gone a little worse since then (laughs) because I hadn't been playing, Um, but around then. And um, what's your rating or approximate range right now? Yeah, so I've done four OTB tournaments since then in eight months, and I am now at 1650 USCF. That's amazing. Is it pretty similar to that for your online rating as well? Uh, I am terrible at Blitz, but it's it's around that. It's around that. But Blitz will always be an enemy of, of mine. <laughs> I, I love classical. I'm a very, very slow player and calculator. Mm. Um, yes, but I, I'm hoping to do some more tournaments. And I'm, I'm hoping that my rating can go up because I've only been able to do four tournaments. So... That's interesting. I was going to ask you that of the, like what time control you you enjoy most classical. That's very cool. Uh, do you get the chance to play much classical outside of tournaments? <laughs> if I if I sat a friend down and I was like, "Hey, do you want to play like a three hour game?" They would look at me like I'm insane. So <laughs> right. even my chess friends. So, so no, and, and I mean, there's something really special as well about you know putting your full focus into it. Um, so it's very hard to find classical experience outside of it, but there is a lot you can do for studying. So you've improved, I don't know, maybe in the range of anywhere from 600 to 800 points in about eight months, which is incredible. Um, that's really rare for an adult and to be commended. Do you have any sense of like maybe why you improve faster than what most adults do in that time frame? Well, thank you so much. Um, You know, I think a lot of it, everyone has their unique and individual journey when it comes to chess improvement. I'm particularly blessed in that, you know, I'm a student in my last year of college, so I have a little bit more extra time. And I feel like a lot of adults just don't have that time. You know, they have responsibilities, jobs, stuff to do. Um, My job is chess. 
So I'm also improving while I'm doing my job. So I, I don't think any part of it's, you know, natural talent or just like an affinity towards the game. I, I think the large majority of it is having the time and wanting the time to devote to it. Um, and also, of course, classical tournaments. I, I think classical tournaments are the best thing you can do for your chess improvement. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, that's um, that's encouraging. I think, uh, you know, I, I always fear the I'm naturally talented and implicit in that is you won't replicate my success. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I am relieved and happy to hear that it has to do a lot with, with time and, like you know, how much um, effort you put towards classical as well. So that's great to hear. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking ahead in your own chess improvement journey, are there any goals that you're chasing right now? Yeah, I, I really want to spend the summer uh, competing. I have really been enjoying my competition journey, and I'm, I'm hoping to get to 2000 USCF at some point um, by the end of the year. I know that's quite ambitious, <laughs> but um, I actually received my first, I think it was around 1900, 2000 performance rating at uh, USAID, which I was very proud of. And um I'm really hoping I can get there and then eventually, eventually uh, start competing in FIDE tournaments. And um, my ultimate goal with that is to get a title. Um, I'm hoping for WCM, but it's still a little bit far off. I still have some improvement to go before I do that. Oh, that's amazing. Those are awesome goals. I'm cheering you on for that. I mean, I'm I'm always Thank a you. fan of ambitious goals anyway. Um, so I think that's great that you're going for 2000 this year. And you said you just... You had a 2000 performance rating, right? Already. Mm -hmm. So Yes, it was yeah. it was a crazy crazy uh tournament. That was an insane tournament. That's incredible. So I should know more about this. Maybe you can help me. I assume you can only do that like if you played someone quite a bit higher than you. Uh mm -hmm. higher rated, is that true? Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> So, so how you say it works, uh, the tournament, it's uh, U.S. Amateurs East, and it's a huge tournament. I recommend doing it. Um, but you have a team, and you have board one, who's the highest rated, all the way down to board four, and you have to be under a certain rating. I was board four for that tournament. Um, so what ends up happening is you play other teams with the same score as you. So the ratings don't always align, because sometimes you'll have teams who have really um, top-heavy rated board ones and twos and lower-rated board fours like me. Or you'll have teams all spread out. So when we were playing the top teams, um, my average opponent was about <laughs> like 2070. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, and I was 1200 at the time. So that was just absolutely terrifying. That's crazy. But that's, wait, wait so when you were 1200, you had a performance rating of 2000? Yes. I think I had a, maybe a live rating of like 13, 1400 at that time. But, um, Yes, I, I, I was so terrified. I was really in my head the first two games, lost the first two games pretty much instantly. And then I got a pep talk and, you know, just kind of had to take away the fear of playing a much higher rated opponent. Sure. And I ended up with a two and a half out of six with a average opponent rating of like 2000 ish. So I was, I was really proud of that. Amazing. Okay. I'm just gonna, can you just uh, like sell your study plan? I'm ready to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> obsession um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Jules. that's that's amazing thank you thank you thank you it's been a journey yeah and um for for myself and others like me who don't know or forgot the exact rating or you know just uh requirements in general for the it's wcm right women, women yes. candidate, candidate master right um yes. i read it once i knew it once but i forget is it like around 1800 feet a or so uh, it's 2000 feet a. oh 2000 okay yeah. and uh are there any performance or like tournaments that you have to attend or you know anything related to that as well uh you don't need any norms which is really nice you just need to hit the 2000 feet a mark with it which is just difficult yeah exactly it's <laughs> difficult in its own right but um you don't need norms thankfully okay that's very cool well i'm excited to watch your journey for that that's amazing um Thank you. yeah so let's uh dive in a bit into your streaming career this past year i read that the i think he was like the, the head of the chess collegiate team sounded like he was the first person to encourage you to stream and that it was the case that when he initially proposed it or suggested it, you were not interested. You were a no. 
Is that right? <laughs> yes, this is correct. <laughs> what turned you off to streaming at that time? Yeah, uh, well, two things. First, I was just in a terrible mood. <laughs> I had a really, really bad day, you know, had to get gas for my car. And then like I left my car at home, had to come back, you know. Um, but I think the biggest thing was I so I used to do and I still do sometimes a little bit of freelance journalism. I, I really love it. Um, and maybe three years ago, back when I um, hadn't even, you know, met anyone or done anything yet, I ended up interviewing via Zoom the Botas sisters, which was just a really, really cool experience for an NBC article. And they were very um, grateful for their community and they really loved their experience, but they also were very honest about some of the hard sides about streaming. So that was something that I was definitely considering when I was asked about this. Also, I, I just heard the the same old thing that everyone hears, which is um, it's impossible to start in Twitch this late and have any form of success. What changed your mind about becoming a streamer? What made you say, okay, no, this is actually something I'd like to pursue? Yes. Yeah, so the person who runs the college program at chess.com, Joe, um, is a great guy. And when I so what happened was I was really, really bored over the summer and I really wanted to find like somewhere to play chess. Um, and I lived near Mechanics Institute at the time. But the issue with that is just that um, the parking <laughs> there, I lived far enough away where I couldn't take public transport and the parking there was like 40 bucks a day. And I, I'm a broke college student, you know, I can't afford that. <laughs> so I was like, maybe, maybe, you know, Berkeley or something has a, a team I can play with or like some casual meetings. So I, I found this chat um, and... Joe reached out and he was like, hey, you know, if you have time over the summer, you should consider streaming. We're trying to get more college students to start streaming. And I was like, you are insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we ended up on a call and he kind of just walked me through it. And he was like, you know, what's the harm? Just try it out. See how you like it. And I was like, all right. And literally, I've been streaming almost every day since then. Um, so I think it was just a combination of just really, really enjoying streaming, um, that aspect of it, the content side of it, and really loving chess. Um, I think streaming has some invaluable perks when it comes to actually becoming better at chess. So that's just, for me, it's always been chess first, chess first, and then uh, streaming. Um, but I'm also continuing to love the streaming aspect of it. So I, I think it was just very much enjoying that as well. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I think you spoke to it a little bit already in terms of some benefits for chess by streaming chess. But uh, yeah, do you want to talk about that a bit? Like, how has it helped you with your own chess game? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing that's been very helpful is um, when I first started, I would be uh, able to play people much higher rated than me because I'd be playing viewers. Um, and a lot of people think there's, you, you know, really no benefit in like a 900 chess.com person. I was 900, I was like 900 blitz at the time playing like a 1800 chess.com person. Um, but I actually, you know, I was able to analyze those games afterwards and look into them. And that's just very invaluable to have that experience of playing someone much higher rated than you. Also, it forced me to have a very steady schedule of playing chess. You know, if you're playing chess a few hours a day, you're going to get better no matter what. Right. Um, and then, of course, also just the wanting to improve so I can provide better content to my viewers, uh, wanting to improve so I can help other people on their journey, inspire other people on their journey, and um, just for myself as well. Did you have any idea your streaming channel would become as popular as it's now become when you first began it? <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> like my first like 10 streams like I, I, I was I just recently got a new computer like I saved up all my stream money and just got a new computer but I was streaming on my macbook <laughs> which is just kind of unheard of um and I, I had to like do all these finagling things I can't do analysis on my macbook or it will freeze and I had to like you know half the time my stream would just cut out so I was working through a lot of that um, and I was just lucky to have a community that was like very tolerant of um, all these little issues and very encouraging. And I, I've i been very lucky to see it grow, especially since, you know, I had to um, I've had to also balance schoolwork, although I'll be going more um, full time during the summer. But I've just had a, a great community who's understanding of like that balance and. I'm incredibly lucky. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when you began streaming, it sounded like it was just for fun, right? Like it was, there was mm-hmm. no big game plan, so to speak, at the time when you began. Is that right? Yes. Since then, now that you've seen it get a lot of traction, even with you're only able to commit maybe like a part-time effort to it because you have school, and yet it's still grown so much, have your wheels been turning at all in terms of thinking about like, huh, well, if it can, if I can do this much, just this many hours per week, you know, what kind of potential does it have? Yeah, I... I was a little bit unsure if I would be able to do this, but it's looking like I'm um, able to really just focus on streaming over the summer and and I'm going to, you know, try to be doing more of a full-time schedule with that. Um, so that's really, really exciting for me because I'd never really think that I'd get to that um, level and that ability to do that. But also, you know, I want to start creating a little bit more content on the YouTube TikTok side of it, um, which is always really, really fun. So I've been working on all of that. I'm, I'm just really excited to see where it goes. I'm going to use the summer as a little bit of a test case to, to look at what it could be, but I'm very, very happy with the growth and I'm excited to see where it goes. That's very cool. Well, yeah, that's, I think that is one of the great opportunities that you'll have in the summer. If you can spend more time on it is you can, you can kind of work on the other areas that could feed into it. Like you talked about like TikTok and YouTube. I don't know exactly, but I know enough about marketing and things like that to know that like they can be funnels into the popularity of your Twitch channel and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's hard because, you know, it's another job pretty much, especially, you know, when you're um, just starting out or fairly new, like I still am, you know, you don't have that huge team to help you with the content. Um, So you have to devote some time into it, but I think it's really worth it. Seems like you could find a college student intern. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just some, you know, some you know free a couple, unpaid right? labor. Yeah. <laughs> Get a freshman, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have them do my laundry while they're at it. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be invaluable experience. Sure. Yeah, yeah. A little, you know, having them do some personal tasks for you wouldn't hurt. Um, of course, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> so after streaming for almost a year now, what's been the most enjoyable aspect of it for you? Oh, it's just opened so many doors for me and I've had so many amazing experiences. Um, I think my coolest experience was I got to, I was, I was doing commentary with, um, Jeffrey Shong, uh, which was just very, very a cool experience. And at the same time, I was in Toronto and chess.com let us all like sit in and watch, uh, the, I think it was the chess grand championships, chess CGC. We were in a room and there was a TV and the people were playing. And then I just got to hear basically the top like five or so players in the world, like talking about lines that they were seeing. And that that was just such a crazy cool experience. Uh, I got to meet Danny Wrench, um, talk with everyone. Yeah. And um, I think some people felt bad that I had to do so much commentary <laughs> that weekend. So um, Jeff actually... I got some people to help out. I had uh, Canty come out, come up and um, help out with my commentary. I had Samuel Sevian come up and help with my commentary, which was just all amazing experiences. Yeah, that's incredible meeting, um, you know, some of the big names in chess like that. So even though you're a relatively new streamer, when is your one year anniversary of it, by the way? Oh, late July. Late, yeah. Okay. So coming right really up on almost a year, even in under a year, you've had a really well-known chess streamer and commentator on your show, Dina Belenkaya. How did that come about? Uh, my wife, Dina. <laughs> yes. Your wife, Dina. Yeah. I should have introduced her as that. I don't know why I said commentator. Sorry. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she was in LA for chess boxing and... Um, I was terrified of her. <laughs> so I've been lurking on her channel for a bit. And she's anyone who's gone to her channel just knows it's wildly entertaining. She's a very, very strong personality. Um, and she's just a really funny person. And I was so scared. I was so scared of her because she's just such a strong individual. And I, I kind of wanted to meet her. And she ended up uh, reaching out and we talked. And she was like, hey, I'm going to Coffee Chess. Um, I hope I can see you there on the state. And I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. And I was really excited. Uh, so we went there and uh, <laughs> we went out to dinner afterwards, which she paid for, which is just very sweet of her. <laughs> I will never say no to, to free dinner. And uh, she asked me a lot of questions about my life. Um, 
she, I, I think this was just the best Tina moment of all time, but she was like, I, I just, you know, I know exactly what I want in a friend and I, I need to make sure that like these people have it. I don't want to waste time. I'm like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so we became really close friends and then we went out to dinner a lot. Um, we ended up streaming a bunch and we still talk a lot. Um, and I'm hoping to visit her in France and I'm hoping she comes back to the U.S. soon. She's She's probably one of the coolest people I've met. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, was she like the first, uh, you know, I, I did, she could have so many different impressive titles that I could put before her name, you know, like WGM and all that. But I'll just say like, was she the first, uh, well-known chess streamer that you got to meet in person? Um, I think the first well-known chess streamer that I got to meet in person was probably, Daniel Naraditsky, um, Small in name Toronto. In yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was at CGC. There was a bunch of commentators there. A bunch. Gotham Chess was there. Gar was there. A lot of just really, really cool people I look up to. Um, so that was a great experience. Um, but she's definitely she was definitely one of one of the first. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you about what ambitions or goals you may have right now for your for your chess streaming. I know that. Um, you know, things are a little a little uncertain because I know you're still finishing up your degree and things like that. You know, and you talked already about how you wanted to test the waters with it by giving it a full-time effort in the summer. But I don't know, do you have anything else on the horizon? Even if it's not like a finite, oh, I'm definitely going for this or just even just things that you're kind of toying with uh, for the future. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping chess boxing it becomes a huge thing <laughs> because I would love to do that one day. Um, I'm a huge fitness nerd and I've been doing a lot of climbing and I would just I just think that's the like funniest thing ever. <laughs> so I, I'm really hoping this becomes more mainstream so I can do some chess boxing. That would be so cool. Um, also, just continuing to stream a lot more. I will be spending a little time in New York. I'll be spending, you know, some time in LA. So I'm hoping I can like meet up with people, you know, check out the local hustlers in each area and uh, just continue to make more content. So I think there's a lot of exciting things going on. I mean, it's it's almost like in parallel to me, your, your chess streaming career is just as impressive as your own personal chess improvement story. Uh, they both you. just, yeah, they both just risen dramatically in, in less than a year. So yeah, I feel like the sky's the limit for you on, on anything you want to do with chess. Yeah, um, there's always setbacks, of course. Like, there's there's always moments. Like, I've definitely had moments where I've had to have, like, friends talk me down from quitting chess or streaming. So, you know, it, of course, we only talk about, like, the highlights and the, the high points of our career because that's what we remember. Um, but it's it's never linear for anyone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, if, if only it were. But yeah, you're right. There's always going to be some some down moments that can challenge us. Is there a, a particular struggle or challenge either with chess improvement or chess streaming, either one that you had to overcome or, or dealt with uh, that you're comfortable talking about in the past year? I think there's been a couple. I, this one's very, very common. Um, but, you know, one of the hardest things was I had started, especially before I was doing OTB more seriously, I'd started to tie my own self-worth as a chess player to my blitz rating. And it would become very like up and down, um, which I, I know every chess player experiences this, but I would, you know, have moments where I'd hit a new peak and then I would go down like 300 points in the night. And it, it just felt very topsy turvy. And, you know, I wouldn't even want to stream on the days when I felt like I was very tilted and my rating was lower. And, you know, I've always loved classical. So I've always felt like my classical strength is better than my blitz. Uh, and it's just been very discouraging because it really makes you question everything um and it's been hard to you know stop tying my own <laughs> self-worth as a chess player to blitz but something that's helped is definitely just focusing on the steady aspect trying to set a limit for <laughs> how much i can possibly tilt in a day <laughs> and um just focusing on that aspect of it but i think that that can be super demoralizing for any chess player and of course we've also had like games where you know i've been in a winning position and i get cocky and just make a super obvious error or games where i'm just dead lost out of the gate and it's very very discouraging um everyone everyone has those those moments and i, I you know i think the biggest setback which actually ended up being the the biggest helper um is just in the chess community, you know, 
there's a lot of people who have a lot of advice and most of it is great, but you know, there's also some discouraging voices for you and your journey. And I've always been a very trusting person and I, I really can take things people say to heart and that, that might not be the best quality for a streamer. And it's something that of course I've been working on. And I think everyone struggles with this, but sometimes it can be really, you know, everyone has their own journey with chess improvement and with their own experience. Um, and you'll hear a lot of voices who will make generalizations, which might be true for most people, but it also might not be true for you. So it's been very important just to like trust myself and trust my instincts and, you know, go for what I want despite certain things and just know that everyone does or most people do mean the best. Um, but sometimes you just have to follow what you think is the correct way to steady chess or improve. Yeah, I think that's a great um, point to bring up and, and um, excellent insight on that. It is, I agree, it is difficult to shut out their voice from, you know, from being inside your head um, once you hear them. Uh, I've experienced that myself. I think a lot of people have, uh, especially, and I don't think it requires, tell me what you think, but I don't think it requires even being a bit more public with your chess journey like we are, like having a stream or a podcast. I think even if you just post about your chess uh, in chess communities, you know, uh, whether it's in Discord or on Twitter or something like that, you'll still find those people doing that. And it can be difficult to not give them too much attention. But but you're absolutely right that I think it's it's critical that we we learn how to not give them too much time or, or headspace, I guess. Absolutely. And, you know, chess is such an internal journey that what's worked for one person or, you know, what hasn't worked for one person might not apply to everybody. So it's, it's very hard to take those generalizations to heart. I mean, I think it's good that you're kind of aware of that and, you know, um, work, I think it's a work in progress for all of us. Cause I don't know anybody who's like, Oh yeah, I can shut them out a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> of course. I've, yeah. I've like, I've, I've been sad over certain things, you know, like uh, no, no one can do that, but it's, it's a great learning experience. Um, like I said, and like everyone said, chess is very, very psychological and it's, you know, also good training. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Who has helped you a lot along the way in your own chess streaming journey? Yeah, there've been a lot of just really great influences in my journey. Of course, Joe being one of them. Uh, if you're a college student and you play chess, uh, please check out uh, chess.com's college program, CCL. They're amazing. Uh, Dina, of course, has just been completely supportive, a wonderful friend. I, I really would trust her with anything. And she's always been very supportive of my journey. Um, and also, Jeffrey Shong has been just a huge influence. Um, he's one of my favorite chess players style-wise. And he's just always been very, very encouraging of everyone in the community and a very wholesome, great person to be around. So I think there, of course, are also people I'm forgetting to mention, but just the community as a whole is a very, very welcoming and open place. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great that you have all those people supporting you. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, it's 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 hard to be successful without those kinds of people. So that's really cool hearing that you've had so much support along the way, and um, I'm sure that I'm sure that makes the process and the experience so much better. Oh yes, uh, of course. It's you know, chess itself and streaming can be kind of a lonely journey, and having this community and having people who are you know, willing to take a chance and willing to be your friend is <laughs> <laughs> right. always a, a great aspect. Or wife, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. I love hearing that. Okay. So on to some just final few questions, just some fun ones. If you could have any well-known chess celebrity or chess player on your channel, who would it be? Ooh. Hmm. There, there are so many great options and there are so many people, but, um, I'm a huge fan of the Botezes and Nemo, um, Anna Kramling. I, I think they've all been doing really wonderful things. And, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Alexandra in person when I was streaming with Tina once and she's just a, a very down to earth, wonderful person. And, and they've all been very, very, very supportive. I think they're all very supportive, even of, uh, newer streamers and newer chess players in general. So I, I would love to have them on the channel or be on their channel one day. Awesome choices there. Couldn't agree more. They're all fantastic. If you could play any elite chess player in the world, 
in an OTB game, let's say classical, since that's your favorite time control, (laughs) (laughs) whether past or present, living or not, doesn't matter. Any elite chess player, who would it be? Ooh, oh, this is a good one. Um, Maybe Rapport, because I just love, love, love his chess style. He's he's someone that I look at his games a lot. I think he has just a very, very unique tactical style, and he's a little bit insane with his openings, which <laughs> I personally appreciate. <laughs> um, I yeah, that that would be great. And of course, like I can't say it. I have to say Tall. Like you just have to like Tall is a living legend. Um, his games are still incredibly amazing today. They're very applicable and. I, I would just love to play him as well. This is a very hard question for a chess nerd. I'm a huge <laughs> yes, chess nerd. It it's hard to pick just one, right? It's, it's very, very hard. And I've been lucky enough to play some of um, the people that I've looked up to most in chess as well, which is really cool. But yeah, I think those would be my top. Great choices. So yeah, I feel like I like this question that I've come up with. I've asked it once to one person or maybe twice, but at least once on the podcast. And um, it was for Omar Mills, a a, a well-known chess punk on Twitter. Uh, if you're there, you'll you probably have seen him. Um, uh, it's a bit silly, but I like it. I think it's a fun question, so I'll ask it. So if there's a chess genie and that chess genie can grant you any chess wish that you want, what would you wish for? Oh, okay so (laughs) okay hear me out i i definitely wouldn't wish for chess skill because i feel like half the fun in it comes from actually improving at your own pace and you know like feeling confident in your journey but there is one thing (laughs) that i really (laughs) don't want to work on i would just love to be good at and i just love to win every single end game like i i don't want to work on end games i hate end games if i could just you know you know, there's a bunch of pawns on the board. It's a closed position. You have to make a breakthrough. You know, you have a rook on each side. I don't want to deal with that shit. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. Um, So I think I would just wish for that end game knowledge just to be in my head and never have to deal with that again. (laughs) That's a great answer. I love it. I don't think I would have ever predicted that from any guest, but I love it. I think that's brilliant. No, it's I, I think you know if if they heard it it would be more common. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I if anyone ever asks me this question, I think I'm going to take your answer now because that is that is fantastic. I shouldn't <laughs> say that because I recently had I recently had an episode covering end games with uh, Yuri Krikun and we we talked all about end games. Although in my defense I did ask him why should we like end games? <laughs> so, oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. So I hear you, Jules. That is that is a great answer. I love it. But I couldn't we couldn't pick a better way to finish this episode that than saying that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Jules, for being on the show. You were a fantastic guest. I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, I feel like your story is very relatable in a lot of ways and, um, and, and very interesting too. And, and what you've achieved in just under a year, I can't wait to see what the next 12 months brings for you. I'm sure it'll be awesome. And, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really, really fun. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share my journey. Oh yeah. It's been my pleasure, Jules. Uh, like I said, it's, it's been great having you on the show. You were a joy to talk to. And uh, yeah, just excited to see uh, everything that that you do next uh, with chess. And it's great that you've returned to the community in the past year. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of my business, Adult Chess Academy. And that has a website with the same name if you want to look for it. You can also find me being way too active on Twitter by searching my username, Lona underscore chess. See you next week.